Hello, and welcome to UDL in 15 Minutes, where educators discuss their experiences with UDL. I'm Louie Lord Nelson, UDL author and leader. Today, I'm talking with Karen Keener, a 7th and 8th grade language arts teacher, and Jordan Landis, a grade 8 intervention specialist who co-teach at Crestview Middle School in Ohio. Today, Karen and Jordan are going to share how UDL has changed how they plan and how they co-teach and their mindsets. Hello to both of you. Hi. Hello there. Hi there. So, well, this is the first time I've interviewed two people for UDL in 15 minutes, and I'm totally jazzed. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Great. So right off the bat, um, tell me about the students at Crestview Middle School, your, like the demographics, and then the classes that you co-teach. Well, Crestview Middle School is a pretty rural school out in uh, Ohio. We're in between kind of Cleveland and Columbus. And then in our classes that we co-teach, we have a pretty wide variety of students in them, from students that are on the talented and gifted spectrum to students that are also have disability, learning disabilities, and things of that nature. Nice. Is the um, kind of the socioeconomics, are we talking middle class? Is this rural with some poverty? Is this upper middle class? What would you say? We are a rural community um, with some poverty, mm-hmm. um, a working class community. All right. So I'm sure you both have other teaching assignments throughout the day. So what are those? Um, I teach two periods of seventh grade writing. I also teach a writing elective class um, for a period. And then I co-teach with Jordan two periods of eighth grade language arts. We also have an extension period where we work with kids on different needs that they have throughout the week on different subjects. So it's a kind of an extra half period that we have where we pull in. Um, it's called academic extension time. Ah, so do all teachers participate in that extension period? Like everybody, like all the students are spread out across seventh or eighth grade? Correct. Okay. And then Jordan, what about you? Um, so I teach... Uh, in the morning, I teach two periods of math. I co-teach two periods of math with our eighth grade math teacher. In the middle of the day, I teach uh, my own class. Half the year, it's an intervention class where we really do a lot of reading, writing, and math kind of all together. And then the second half of the year, it's a little bit more intensively focused on writing because I'm their teacher record for writing for that year. And then at the extension period, like Karen talked about, and then at the end of the day, I do co-teach two periods a day with Karen. So we're going to talk about this, um, the fact that you do work together. So how and when did you begin co-teaching and like what steps did you take? People are always so interested to understand how people get started with it and just how that works. Uh, Co-teaching has been a really great experience for us. Um, We've only been co-teaching for a couple of years. I have been teaching for quite a bit longer than Jordan, um, but he came on board a couple of years ago and we kind of just took off. It's been great because we both are kind of have the same goal in mind we are willing to like try new things and use both of our strengths in the classroom Uh, yeah i would say that like karen said for me this is my well this is my third year with karen and ever since i've gotten my job as an intervention specialist co-teaching has just been a part of what i've done so to me it's just kind of my normal but yeah i would agree that the co-teaching has been a great experience just because I think each of us have strengths and I think we're really good at playing off of each other and helping kids in our own ways. And when we plan and do things like that, I think we're really good at balancing what each one of us does well and then 
combining those in the way that's going to help the students, you know, the most. Yeah. So it sounds like the schedule is set up. The expectation is there in your building for co-teaching. Is that correct? Definitely. I think in just about every grade level in our building, um, co-teaching is, you know, the standard, not the kind of exception. Okay. And so is there a specific time that is set aside for you two to plan together? Yeah, we we make it a priority to plan together uh, each week. We are very disciplined about meeting every Thursday, and we uh, plan out what we're going to do for that following week. That really helps us um, be able to meet the needs of all of our learners in the best way and to use those strengths that we were talking about. Okay. So I'm just trying to paint the picture for myself and for the listeners. So for example, Jordan, does it, it sounds like maybe on Thursdays, just for, as an example, or maybe during that time period, you have that open and you said, I'm going to dedicate and give this time to Karen because you already co-teach with somebody else for math. So do you designate a special time to plan with that math teacher with whom you co-teach? Yes. I usually spend either, depending on the week, either Wednesday or Friday, specifically planning with my math co-teacher. And then every Thursday is always Karen and I sitting down to plan the next week or unit or whatever it may be for our language arts class. Okay, nice. And then my last really technical, like I'm beating on this planning thing, but people ask, um, how much time do you have? Is this like a half hour, 40 minutes or, you know, like the classic 41 minutes, because that's the way school schedules are. (laughs) Well, we have a 50-minute 50, 50 planning period on, on Thursdays, um, and it depends on how much we want to dig into that day, how far out we're planning, and how much we have to plan. Typically, we spend about 30 minutes looking at that. Okay. All right. Now, that makes sense. Okay. You've given some great background information so that listeners can better understand what you're going to share next, which I'm really excited for you to share. You gave me a teaser about your approach to your lessons and and how that's shifted with UDL and how that shift has impacted your mindset. So I can't wait to hear more. So please share. Well, UDL has been learning that framework has been great for the two of us. We now, when we sit down to plan on those Thursdays, really look at the lessons that we have been teaching the past couple of years. And we just kind of look at those lessons through a new lens. We look at everything through that framework now. And we are looking for ways that we can just tweak the current lessons we have to offer more to our students, to offer more learner variability to look at how many more barriers we can break down to get to more students. been a really rewarding experience for both of us. I was really taken by the word tweak because so many teachers, when they get started with UDL, they say, oh my gosh, do I have to start completely over, start from a clean slate? This is so overwhelming. And so it's really interesting to hear you say that you look back at lessons and you tweak. Maybe you can talk about that or give a little bit of an example about that. Yeah, I think uh, one example that we have that's a a pretty good example is we do a pretty large unit on Edgar Allan Poe in our eighth grade class. And we really focus a lot on being able to compare contrast and dig through theme and moods and things of that sort. And a good example is one lesson we always used to do is we read three stories on Edgar Allan Poe along with some nonfiction. But our three stories, we read The Raven, we read The Telltale Heart and The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, we always used to do triple Venn diagram with them, which was a lot more alone and students are working on it individually at their desk, which we had kids that were pretty compliant. I mean, it wasn't a bad lesson. I think kids for the most part got our, you know, 
goal for the day, but we, we were always missing some of them. So then now what we started to do is we looked at that and looked at how could we possibly tweak this lesson. And we implemented what we call a placemat where now students are working collaboratively on really like a large chart paper and they're working and then now doing it this way, each person's in control of one story, the story they understand the best, and then they're bouncing ideas off of each other and working really well through that. For instance, on this one assignment, we have we had one group this year where we had kids working in essentially the first percentile of ability and the 99th percentile of ability all on the same assignment, and they were all being successful, being able to compare and contrast just in a more collaborative manner. Yeah, so we turned that individual assignment into a collaborative assignment um, where kids are interacting, discussing, talking, and bringing it to a much higher thinking level. Yeah. Another question. So with changing it to the placemat and they're using the chart paper, do you find that that still fits within the same timeline that you had for that lesson? Did you add to that timeline? For this one lesson, I would say that that... Um it pretty much sticks almost right on to the same timeline we've done. And really part of it is we've done a lot more background work and all the things leading up to it, but on individual lessons like that, it is about the same time. Yeah. You know, so that was what I was thinking. And, and what I love is that you talked about the fact that you have students that are in that first percentile and you have students that are in the 99th percentile and they're working on this together, but they're all working toward that same goal, which is the compare and the contrast. So you have flexible opportunities within the lesson so they can all work toward that goal and they're taking ownership of something, which is one of those stories. So everybody has a commitment to this. They, they're, they're committed to their part of the lesson. That's just brilliant. I love it. Now, it's what we've tried to do with um, all of our lessons as we as we tweak them. We, we look at the, what we have and we say, there's some good things here, but how can we offer more choice? How can we give the kids more of a voice here? What can we add to it that will allow them to have more ownership? So it's really minor things, but it's impactful things at the same time. Yeah. This is a question that we didn't talk about before but it just came to mind. What do you think makes your collaborative relationship so successful? Because you have gone into this, both of you with the mentality of, of lowering barriers and this tweaking idea. And then you talked about the mind shift change that you've had. So maybe talk about what part do you have that allows you to collaborate so well? And then maybe talk a little bit about that mind shift that you've had. What's been awesome for me is really trying to take labels away and make it one classroom. And it's the same thing with Jordan and I. You know, we are both equal in the classroom. And I think that's a big change for a lot of schools where I I don't know that intervention specialists are always seen as equal in classrooms in the past. But we are equal and the kids are all equal and we play up for that, gear up for that, plan for that. Yeah. Right. There's just a lot of mutual respect, I think, between Karen and I, and I think we both have that mindset that we're both in this for the same thing. We both want our students to be successful, no matter who that student is. They're not my students. They're not her students. They're all of our students. They're they're all of our kids. Yeah. So both of you have actually articulated some fabulous mindsets that 
are behind why you're such a successful collaborative team. What mindset do you think you've had a shift with when it comes to UDL with, or how did UDL shift your mindset? I think for me, the mindset used to be is why isn't this kid learning this topic or this or that? But now I look at it more through a lens and I, I think Karen would agree with me. We more look at it through the lenses. What are we doing to keep that kid from learning it? You know, what kind of changes do we need to make so that kid can access the material in our classroom? Absolutely. That is definitely exactly what has changed so much for us is that look right there. What's wrong with our lesson that kids are not getting where they need to be? Yeah, you've shifted it back to, like we talk about the curriculum, but you even shifted it on to yourselves as decision makers and as designers and I think that's really brave for some people. They would think of it as brave. And I think of it as brave because you're saying I am the designer. And then I also think that it's modeling something for your students and that they are seeing that you're creating this environment for them. And so they walk in, they're like, hey, I know I can learn here because we all have these same expectations. We're all going to move forward. And I've got to put on my my learning trousers here. I got to put on my learning clothes and my learning hat. That's just what the expectation is here. That is so wonderful. I really appreciate you sharing this. We've definitely hit our 15 minutes. And like I said, I've never done this with a set of teachers, with a pair of teachers. So thank you very much for being the people to kind of break that mold. This has been exciting. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. You're very, very welcome. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you can find supplemental materials like an image montage with closed captioning, that montage with audio descriptions, a transcript, and an associated blog at my website, theudlapproach.com forward slash media. And finally, if you have a story to share about UDL implementation for UDL in 15 minutes, you can contact me through theudlapproach.com. And thanks to everyone for your work in revolutionizing education through UDL and making it our goal to develop expert learners.